What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Okay, so today's podcast is with a human being I adore, I love, I cherish, I don't know her that well, but I've been following her from afar for a couple years now, and when I got to New York City and I wrote a list of people that I had to connect with in person and do interviews with, the very top of my list, tip top, very, 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 very top, number one, was Alexandra Roxo. She is a oh, goddess in every form. I adore her. I, I remember the first time I heard her, I was on a stationary bike back in Gun Barrel near Boulder, Colorado, doing my normal workout and I was listening to my friend Hannah's podcast and she brought on this woman to talk talk about serpent medicine and the darker energy of being a woman and a feminine creature and I was just taken away. Oh, specifically she was talking about shibari, which is uh, an artistic form of rope bondage, I guess you could say. Very artistic, very beautiful and Alexandra hosts these retreats where she brings in someone to do rope bondage shibari work with you. And it's on my list. I definitely want to go to it. It's on my bucket list to go to one of her events like that. But that captivated me, really drew me in. I was going to go to that retreat after listening to her talk, but I didn't end up going to that one she was specifically talking about. But I've been following her ever since. And this woman is fiery. She's got this beautiful red hair. She wears red dresses. She writes poetry. She speaks from her heart. She's messy. She's all over the place. But like just the embodiment of the feminine, I cannot speak highly enough about this woman. And it's an honor and a privilege to have been able to do this interview in person. So we did this months ago. We did this in March, I believe, and I'm dating this podcast a little bit, but I want you to know because uh, whatever we talk about in that episode, if it sounds like it's a different place in life where we are now, that's because it is. It was a couple months ago, but we talk about so many different topics, so many different ranges of the feminine and energy and heartbreak and love and revealing your heart and sex. Uh, not, I wouldn't say sex parties, but along those lines, pleasure parties, um, we go there. So with that said, there is adult language in this podcast episode. So this is definitely one I would recommend that you put in your AirBuds, AirPods. I always call them AirBuds, your AirPods in your ear and your ears, or you listen with just some regular headphones if you have little ones around. And we jump right on in. I didn't really do a formal intro. So this is your formal intro. And we're going to jump right on in, in the interview talking about jaw work. So that's where we're going to pick up. We're talking about the power of the jaw. You will hear that soon. But before we go there, let me read her actual bio for you. Alexandra Roxo is a transformational mentor, healer, writer, and artist who is extremely passionate about empowering women. Her writing on personal growth and female empowerment, the divine feminine resurgence, moon ritual, and modern spirituality can be read on girlboss.com, Teen Vogue, Mind Body Green, and Playboy. She's been featured in many publications for her deep, sensual, and raw approach to healing and transformation, and has also been named a modern spiritual leader by Well and Good. 
Her 15 years of meditation practice and moon ritual is what inspired her to create Moon Club as a place to gather for deep sharing and deep practice relating to the internal spiritual journey. She is working on her first book with the publisher Sounds True out in early 2020 and will be leading retreats in 2019 at 1440 Multiversity, Kripalu Center, and Maha Rose, Mexico, and enjoying life between New York City and L.A. Ah, 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 this is so good. I can't wait. If you don't know Alexander Roxo, it's like reading like your favorite book. If you got to go back and read your favorite book for the first time, that's how I feel about that. I'm so excited for you that you get to meet this woman today. It's a special day, y'all. In case you can't tell, I really love this woman. I don't think I've ever praised anyone quite as much as I've praised her because she's special. So with that said, I only have one quick announcement, and that is that I have three spots left for our small women's group that is going to be starting on this upcoming Monday, it's August 5th. We will have four calls together. They are each an hour and a half where we will do embodiment practices, feminine practices, and there will be time for group coaching. So if you've wanted to be coached by me, but we never followed through for whatever reason, or if you've just been ogling it from afar, my normal coaching rate is upwards. It's more than 400 per, per hour. And this is only 300 for the entire series. So if you want to join us, jump in on it now because I will be taking in 10 people tops. And this is going to be a really fun experiment to see how this goes. It will all be over Zoom. The calls are Monday at 10 a.m. PST to 11.30 a.m. PST. And let's see, what else is there to share? Yeah, it's just going to be really good. So if you're down to do this type of work and you're really intrigued and you don't really quite understand what embodiment is or you're going through some relationship things that you would like to dive deeper in with women and feel into your different archetypes, this may be the perfect thing for you. So I'd love to see you there. Um, Also, I do have an upcoming event in November. You can check that out by going to maddiemoon.com forward slash events. It is called the Embodied Archetype, and it's going to be very special. So just read that description there and apply, and we'll take it from there. All right, let's go head on over to this awesome interview with Alexandra Roxo. just did a podcast um, interview with someone that does vocal teaching in the realm of like John, why am I folding this? John Wineland and (laughs) Kendra and like teaching how like the jaw line and everything with that, Mm. um, loosening your jaw for women is like really important. Yeah. It's, I teach it all the time. Jaw work all the time. It's really fascinating. I never made the connection of how important, like, or not important, but how stressed my jaw is. Is this, rec- are we recording? We're recording. Okay, Just- great, good, good, good. Well, because I love to talk about this. So 
I had this web show called Be Here Now-ish that I created. Yes, yeah. I watched. Great, <laughs> good, good, good. And in this episode, we went and did a couple's colonic. So me and my, my <laughs> yeah. co-star, uh, our, our date on the show is a couple's colonic. And the woman running it, she said, okay, soften your jaw and relax your anus. And I was like, what? And she was like, when you soften your jaw, your anal muscles um, unclench. And then I started studying the correlation between the jaw muscles and the pelvic floor. And then from that, I realized, okay, so when I, when we tighten our jaw, we clench our emotions and our heart closes and our pussy closes and our anus closes. And I also learned this in acting school, but in acting school, my teacher didn't say the correlation to like the pussy and the anus. It was more of like, when you clench your jaw, you're clenching off from emotions from coming through. But it's literally all the central channel and it's all connected. So when I work with women, like the first thing that I'll do is like right now, like you're going like this. Am I? <laughs> I I'm thinking. So in my mind, I'm like, my jaw is so relaxed right now. She's going to be so impressed by how relaxed I'm. Okay. So well, it's maybe more you're, just may, but maybe even, too. maybe just your lips were pursed. But even that, even that is, 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 a, it? is a, it's a more subtle clench, you know? So I know it's so funny. Like my, my first kind of deep shamanic spiritual uh mentor teacher was this woman deborah kantmeyer she's an acting teacher here in new york and she taught she introduced me to moon rituals she introduced me to this stuff about uh you know emotions in your body embodiment work sound she would make me go ha in front of all these people she'd make me scream fuck you in front of all the whole class she'd make me stand in front of the class like in my underwear she'd make me cry in front of the class and she was like it, she called me out when I was 19 and said I was using spirituality as a mask to not feel all of my oh. feelings. I mean, she was like deep, deep medicine where we had like deep karma together. And I worked for her for a few years um, when I was 21. And she was my my teacher, my real deep teacher. She introduced me to David Data's work. She introduced mm. me to Starhawk's work. She introduced me to Moon Ritual. And so... Um, Oh, oh, and it's so much. Egon Sheila, a beautiful painter, Klimt, you know, all these, all these really potent um, artists when I was young. And like any good mentor-student relationship, we had a passionate falling out and then uh, came back together. <laughs> and yeah. we came back together in my late 20s because I got cast on the television show. Um, and I had a sex scene with Clive Owen. So when I was still acting and I, I said, Deborah, I need to come to your class because like I have to do this sex scene. I need to be like so in my sexiness. And at that time I was in a relationship that I had kind of lost the charge around. Mm. Like it was feeling quite neutral. And so my relationship to my own sex was feeling neutral. So I went into her class and I did this exercise where I ate chocolate in front of the aud in front of the, the group really slowly like so like I was literally like going down on the chocolate like I was licking the clit of the chocolate oh my God, you I know like and it was in front of everyone and it was just like I just felt like I was doing like a really deep sacred sexual um ritual in front of everyone which was essentially me coming back to my own sexuality i broke up with that person like very soon after because the relationship was done mm -hmm. but i came back to myself and my sexuality in that class so yeah 
it all starts with a jaw. What a blissful class. <gasps> I, I love that. There's something really Go powerful. to her class, New York City. If you're in New York What's City. What's her name? Deborah Kampmeyer. De- Deborah Kampmeyer. Okay. She will rip you apart. She is <laughs> like she is like a plant medicine and a gorgeous human. Gorgeous. She she introduced me to snakes. She really yeah, I need to just call her and tell her I love her again. She really. I, I, you have to send her this because she's going to want to hear how you how sweetly you talk. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, we also like I also like hated her at times, but I think that the the best teachers you do hate at yes. times. They trigger yeah. the fuck out of you. And I yeah. have some of my clients will be like just so you know, I hired you because you trigger me so much and I'm like Okay. <laughs> I wrote I wrote something about this the other day. I was saying the best teachers we have in our life could be the ones that trigger us, frustrate us, betray us, break us in all the different ways. Yeah. Like there of course there are teachers in our life also that don't do those things. Yeah. But I find that the people and I, I didn't think this until this year when mm. I really started to understand there's a lesson in everything that happens in my business, with my family, with teachers who I have had falling out with. Mm-hmm. Um and some of the greatest healing, like I work I've been doing embodied relationship work with John Wineland mm. and there are some stuff that they brought to me and they mm-hmm. were just like, Hey, we see this within you. And, um, it feels out of integrity. Mm. And I was like, so triggered and frustrated and angry. And there was that wound that came up within me of, you can't tell me what to do. Cause my parents, my whole life told me what to do to a T. And so anytime it feels like mm-hmm. someone's telling me what to do, even a teacher, I get really frustrated mm-hmm. and it was the most, healing experience for me to have someone quote tell me what to do even though they didn't and also stay with me and hold me through my own frustration towards them wow because as a kid if I got frustrated someone tried to control me I would be punished more yeah and so they were like cool you feel frustrated what what do you feel frustrated about show us scream yell yeah and then they stayed they waited and they still were like you're still in the the embodied relationship salon we still love you like Aww. and that's really healing too to have someone that like triggers you in those ways yeah you do that as a teacher I do. And I pay other people to do it for me. You know, like we're talking about our dear friend, Dave Burns, who I hired him as my coach um, about a year ago. And then I just hired him last month, him and his wife. And they are just completely deep, massive teachers. And he is one of those people that I know sees all of my shit and, Mm. and, and I just did a workshop, a weekend workshop with him too. And it was ridiculous because the workshop was around money and uh, business. And the morning of the f- of the second day, I got this blackmail email that oh I wrote about or I yes. storied about. I, so I'm like, I'm like having this slow, luxurious morning. I'm getting ready to go to the money workshop and I'm taking a bath full of rosemary and like sage and reading Carlos Castaneda. And, and I'm like, mm, I'm just going to drive down to Santa Monica now. And I was in Topanga and I opened my email and I got this email being like from Alexander Roxo to Alexander Roxo. Like I've been watching you. I have all your passwords. I have your computer hacked. I have naked photos of you and videos of you and all this stuff. And, and I, I sat there and I went through this whole process. Um, and, and this is the short version, but I went through this whole process of, of, of like thinking about what I could potentially lose. And the first thing I thought about was my money. I thought, Oh my God, they have passwords. My, my bank password. I'm going to call my bank. My bank's like, there's not much we can really do. You know, it, it, if something happens, 
they're insured. Okay, fine. So if I lose my money, Chase is insured, whatever. Then I'm like, my second thing is, okay, so if I lose my money, then what else do I care about next? I care about my business. So my business is, is really built off Instagram. Though I have an email list and that's really great too and important. But if my Instagram was gone like completely, what would my life look like? What would my business look like? Okay, well, I have Moon Club. I have my members. I have my email list. Okay, cool. So if my Instagram goes, like, I'm still great. I still love myself. Everything's fine. Fuck that. Okay, cool. So I sat there. I was like, okay, what next? I'm like, okay, first my money goes, then my Instagram. So first all my sense of security through my money goes. Then my sense of identity and purpose goes through my Instagram. So first I've lost all my money. Then I left my, lost my purpose purpose then what's next and I'm like well okay so if this person said they're gonna send out naked videos or sex videos which maybe I have somewhere on iCloud from like my early 20s like a few random videos but not really I don't know who knows but okay sure they found some sexy videos of me from my 20s okay so say those go to everyone in my contact list okay what's at stake here okay what's at stake so my integrity my um my uh the way that I, I'm, I'm perceived by people, well, what's the difference? I'm a person who orgasms. I am a person who it gets fucked and fucks. Um, so what's the, what's the lie there? Is there a lie? Mm. Is there something I'm truly ashamed of? Am I ashamed of being fucked? Am I ashamed of fucking? Am I ashamed of coming? Would I be ashamed to share that with others? Be a real woman being seen coming too, not like something that's staged. Yeah. If someone had recorded you while you were Yeah, it would really just be something. like a dis- disgusting, weird, <laughs> sexy mess. And I thought, okay, so uh, let me just imagine my father right now opening an email. I'm going to imagine my dad opens an email. It says, from Alexandra. Watch this, Poppy. Watch this, Dad. (laughs) And I'm imagining my dad sitting and watching me come or be fucked. And I was like, I'm still okay. Like, we're still good. (laughs) It's like we're still fine. Like that's just a human thing that happens and I'm fine. So then I just sat there and I laughed. So to take it back to Dave Burns, I texted Dave. I said, you fucker. I was just like signing up for a workshop with you means that I knew something was going to happen. And it was like, so if you've ever gone to a retreat or a workshop or done a plant medicine ceremony and you're really all in and you really want to get the work, um, Things will come up mm-hmm. before or during that are crazy. And Dave even said that the first night. He said, just so you know, like you might get a flat tire. You might get sick. Something might happen. This is perfect. It's perfect. It's your resistance. It's change. It's movement. So when I texted him, I was like, mm-hmm. So in Alexandra Roxo fashion, I go big. Okay. So <laughs> in order to show up to your workshop, I got this beautiful blackmail email this morning. I faced the loss of my business, the loss of all my money, the loss of any sense of uh, dignity or face in the world. And I just sat with all those losses and I was totally fine. Wow. That was one of my favorite stories that you've done. So when you talked about that, you were getting ready. I just watched your story. I was getting ready to go to Dave's workshop. Yeah. And you were like putting on your socks and you're like, hey, guess what, guys? If you see me orgasm later, it's like a gift to the world, right? I know. And it's so funny because um, (laughs) I got the same email, I think, like three days later. Which was so comforting to me to know I could just like arrive in your DM and be like, hey, what happened there? Did Mm. did, the emails get sent out? Because I, I actually like 
for my specific email that I received, they were like, we have photos of you. We need this much money. You can send it in Bitcoin, like right. all of these things. And then I like copy pasted that email and I searched it in Google. And like that one that I received was sent out to all these people. And they're like, don't worry. Most likely you're probably maybe going to be okay. Yeah. Um, but it was still a really frightening moment. And so you sharing that, I was like, oh, when I break it down, all the things. And I think about this often, like what if something happened to Instagram? Mm -hmm. Like that's something I have to think about quite frequently because I want to make sure that I'm in check there and mm -hmm. that if something ever did happen to my Instagram, I'm not losing sight of who I am. And mm -hmm. I, I know that if I still want to have a reach of some way, like that is possible no matter what, but my value isn't through Instagram. No. And going back to like before every retreat. And I wonder, does this happen to you when you lead retreats too? Do you find that when you lead things, you often get tested in the same way that the women you're about to lead get tested? Sometimes, sometimes it's a little less dramatic though, to be honest, because I'm holding space usually for everyone else's shit to come up. So it's like, I can't be so deeply rocked in a sense. Cause it's like I little things maybe. Yeah. Like I had it in, when I just taught a retreat in Mexico, but it was after, was it after the first night? I had this weird imposter syndrome thing come up, which I actually have never had. I've never had this kind of imposter syndrome stuff. And all of a sudden I was laying in bed and I was like, why did people fly to Mexico to work with me? Like what? And I was like, who am I? I don't know fucking shit. Why are they here for me? Like, I, and, and it was so deep. And so, but I honestly think that like where I was in Mexico, and there's like such like jungle Kali energy. The jungle really does bring up things from the subconscious, from the depths. The jungle really? is really dank and wet and loud and, and yeah. intense. The jungle is a very specific type of medicine that the earth offers us. And, um, and I feel like because the jungle was so loud at night, it was so loud and, and there was just screens. I just heard so many sounds and it was funny. Actually, Dave was like, did you f hear the, like the evil rooster? And I was like, yes, there's this one bird that sounds like an evil rooster in the middle of the night. It's so weird because they were just in Peru and, um, you know, the jungle's a jungle, but the Mexican jungle was so loud that for some reason, like these things had a chance to pop up from the depths of my subconscious and the depths of my soul. Like as I was laying in bed at night, it was like this imposter thing. Some other stuff came up that I was just like, where the fuck did this just come from? Yeah. I also could have been tuning into the field of the group. I could have been tuning into that in a sense, but it was important and it shook me. And it was funny because the next day I reached out for support from two of my friends. One of them didn't get back. Then neither of them got back to me. And I, and I felt sort of shattered in the sense of like the one time I have fucking imposter syndrome and I asked for help, y'all ain't going to help me. <laughs> and I was like, it was fine. And it, and it passed and, and it allowed me to feel like, oh shit, a lot of people feel that all the time. Mm -hmm. And I, I've been blessed that I don't. Um, so that stuff can happen before a retreat. Um, but more often I'm feeling the energy of all the people in the group yeah. and what they're feeling. But my body does feel like a pressure cooker at times. 
um, it's definitely not comfortable. It's not a comfortable space. I think when you're leading, you're it's a ceremonial space where you're like you have to maintain such deep practice and presence right. so that you don't get swayed by it, and so you know literally that you're the transmutation chamber for a bunch of people's shit, and that's why you have to be very strong. Otherwise, you can like you know lose your mind mm-hmm. <laughs> or lose lose your health or you know something like that. It's like I definitely don't recommend. I, everyone walking into the space of being a healer or a practitioner of energy or a space holder for others without really deeply knowing yourself and your practice and your own wounds. Because if your wounds are unhealed, then they will come up in the space. And, you know, actually John Wineland talks about this, um, of like that he did so many years of work on his shadows and his wounds in order to be able to stand and helping others. I was listening to, um, a talk that he did the other day because uh, my man also does his work. So, um, and it reminded me that for me as well as as a as a, it took me doing spiritual work, plant medicine work, and healing work for fifteen years before I decided I, I was able to teach. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, man. People just stand out there and just teaching this stuff. I'm like, I love it. All these women teaching moon rituals. And I'm like, I've been practicing that for 10 years before spirit told me I'm allowed to teach it publicly. Oh, wow. Yeah. I sat in how many plant medicine ceremonies until I was allowed to even talk about that. Are you talking mostly about ayahuasca or Um, range? Well, my healing work has been talk therapy, has been acting, has been writing, has been plant medicine, um, peyote, ayahuasca, Hmm. psilocybin, um, has been many different modalities, uh, shibari, Shibari. snakes, Mm -hmm. polarity work. Snakes. That's something I wanted to talk to you about. Um, but before we go into that, I I actually, there's like so many things I'm like, okay, but I have to make sure I talk about this. (laughs) But we were talking before we got on this about, um, your openness in speaking on your love life Mm. and in relationship and what you've learned recently about this. Mm -hmm. And so for everyone listening, I was, I was watching Alexandra's Instagram story and she was co-leading a retreat segment for a TV show and her and her partner were doing their own morning rituals across the room from each other. And also something I deeply desire. Mm. I, I, the next relationship I have, that's going to be our morning, not every day, not to a T, but I definitely envision like we both have practices and they get experienced sometimes in the same room and sometimes separately. And so y'all were doing this and you were just openly sharing later, like, Oh, I just, I'm so overjoyed right now that I'm experiencing being in the room with a partner and us both doing our own practices and rituals. I didn't know this was possible. Mm. And that was your second date. (laughs) I love so much. I am attracted to people who are open about their love life, even if it's date number one or date number two, because I so deeply am that way. And I think that this is important to share because so many people wait for these certain markers to happen before they can open up the doors to share about their love life. Like I even had with my previous partner that I was with for about six months I had a little smiley face photo over his face for the longest time Mm. and that was a way I was hiding and and hiding him Mm. and it was kind of like this game like who am I dating I have a heart over his face and I did this for like a month and you posted that on your Instagram yeah I would have pictures of us together and I would put a little heart over his face on the feed or on the stories on stories okay 
and then it became kind of a, a game, right? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't really a game. It was more like me being very terrified because I had this string of maybe five or six men that I've publicly shared on my Instagram account since I've started my podcast and my, you know, following that didn't work out. Mm. And so there's a part of me that's like, I want to, I want to share. I'm also mm. like, I don't want to share. Cause it's like, what will people think whenever this ends so abruptly? Mm. So I'm interested to hear about how you got yeah. to this openness. It's really been a journey. The journey is with the ego though. You know, the journey, for, for, I mean, there, there are, there are several pieces to it, but the journey is with the ego and letting go of, of what people think of you and then asking yourself why you want to share, right? Because if the ego wants to share in order to look cool, in order to look like, oh my God, look at me and my man, whatever. Well, then that's its own thing. Mm-hmm. If sharing is a benefit to all beings and of benefit to your journey, which in, then in turn is benefit to all beings, then you mm. withholding that is withholding truth. Um, but so it's first asking, why do you share anything? You know, like, why? Why do I need to share this post? Why do I need to share this moment? Is it because I want validation, approval, attention? Is my childhood wound wanting to be validated? Do I want to be validated by sharing me and this man and feel like, oh, look at me. Here I am with my man. That's a real good one to sit on and meditation. And until you know the answer, don't fucking share it. Sit with it. Until the answer feels so clean, like I just want to share because it gives me great pleasure. And because this opening in myself is so vulnerable and so beautiful That it is so scary to share. And in that, I know that it might be of service to others. Mm. That is such a personal decision. I cannot decide that for anyone. Um, For me, I did have shame around sharing because I was in a series of long-term relationships back to back from age 21 to 31. I had partners. I had multiple people during that time. There was really no break. And I loved being in long-term relationships. And when you say no break, do you mean like not even a month? No, there was a month. There was like, you know, like, like, but there was not years off. I'm always curious what people mean when they say that, like if they're overlapping. Well, there there were a few overlaps, to be completely honest. Mm -hmm. Um, I really loved being in relationships. (laughs) And I I really, I I still do. I love love. Mm -hmm. But when when I stopped the last one, which I mentioned earlier, when I sat in Deborah's class and realized that that relationship was done and I really had some work to do on myself, I kind of knew, oh, I'm about to take a few years to just do my own healing work. And it was, you know, essentially four years. And that felt like an eternity. Now, not that I wasn't seeing people during that time. I was, but there wasn't a long-term partnership during that time. And were you seeing people, but you were also saying to yourself, I'm not going to turn this into a long-term partnership? No, 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 no. Okay. There was a period of time where I took like six months off off that. Very intentionally. But, yeah, intentionally. Yeah. But um, no, the rest was just like I'm conscious that I'm in a period of my life where I'm doing great healing in order to step into the role publicly as a healer and as a teacher and a leader. I had already done a lot of work on myself, but this was like grand finale, like spirit. The universe is like, if you're really going to stand publicly, you cannot not know any of your shadows. You cannot not know Mm -hmm. any of your wounds. You cannot be out there. You'll be standing up in front of an audience and have your skirt tucked in to your underwear if you don't know all parts of yourself. So 
I was very aware of the last four years that like, well, I'm in it, you know, if I'm going to stand in, and lead other women, I better know my fucking shit backwards and forwards. I better have actually taken my face and smushed it in my own shit mm-hmm. and know what it smells like and know when I can smell it coming from a mile away. Mm-hmm. Because if not, you have a teacher teaching and leading who is um, not clean, which is essentially what John kind of said in other words in the talk I was talking about. So in the last few years, I've kind of been like, well, who I'm attracting right now, I can be potentially attracting from my wound, my childhood wound. Um, If that's what I'm working on, if I'm really clearing things and really looking at things, then some of the things that might be coming up right now, some of the people I might be attracting might be people that are here to unkink and to clear some of my closures, right? This is very connected to, you know, David Data's type of work. Um, as I was also diving into that work too, it was like, okay, well, I'm going to really look at my relationship with men. Therefore, any lack of trust in men, any fear around trusting men, any traumas with men are all going to pop up. And they did. And I stood in workshops face to face with men and I was triggered into every traumatic moment that I had ever had Mm. in this life. And I had no idea that that was going to happen. And honestly, I wouldn't recommend that for everyone because I didn't know when I stepped into that work that it was going to literally open up all vaults of trauma within me. And I didn't have necessarily all the support, but then, then I assembled it over time. Right. But it meant, you know, standing in a workshop face to face with a random man I've never met and him telling me like, like, that that I was closed to him and that he couldn't see my light and all of the things that made me feel like I was broken and that I was I was finished you know and that was it you know it was heart heartbreaking <laughs> to say the least um I'm a strong person so I could pull myself back out of that and I had people around me to help me But that was literally facing so much over those years. So during that time, I was dating people and attracting some people that were really wound-oriented, like really had to do with my my wounds with men. Um, And then some that were, uh, well, no, they all were, but some were were really karmic feeling. Like I had Mm -hmm. one that was really deep, and he did a two-day intensive workshop with me in that space. And... um, we were kind of together off and on for like eight months. And I talked about him recently on a podcast while that was happening with him. I didn't want to share it at all. Like I was just like (gasps) terrified, you know? Um, and it was, and then I had uh, someone else that I met last year in November and I couldn't not share, but I was very vague on Instagram. Um, and then I was sitting in India with my best friend moon and I was like, moon, the thing that I curate out of my public persona is my love life. And it's so huge, but I feel like I'm a mess. I feel like I'm such a messy lover and I just like love this one man. And then I love this other man and then then he showed up and I'm falling in love and he's my soulmate. No, this is my soulmate. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, it's, I was like, why am I so ashamed to share this? Like, this is who I am. Like I am, um, I'm like, I'm like freedom, like Anais, I'm like Florence, I'm like all these other women who have these wild, messy, uncurated hearts. Why am I trying to curate it from the public? Mm -hmm. Why is it a shame, shameful 
to be a messy, wild, weird, broken at times lover. And I sat there in, in Goa, India, and I was like, I'm going to start sharing. I don't know how. I don't know what it will look like. And I think I even wrote a post that next week, like, I'm going to start sharing more about my love life. And I, I'm, I've been ashamed and I've been embarrassed. And I thought that I had to have it all together in order to share. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is an illusion. It's an attachment. It's fear-based and it's ego-based. And I'm going to debunk that right now for my own spiritual awakening. If it works, for, if it helps you guys, great. But this is for me. Because it is. Because that attachment and that holding is so fear and ego-based. So the only person that's really missing out is you. Yeah. The only person that's holding back on your process is you. Nobody else fucking cares if you date one person for one month and another or next. Like that can be your practice. You can be like, this is my practice right now. It's not that things aren't working out with a lover. They're working out perfectly because they're working out whatever needs to be worked out of your system. Exactly. So if you buy into that old paradigm of like, unless there's a ring on my finger and we have two kids and we have this perfect little Instagram life, then, then it's not working out. Then you're just perpetuating an old paradigm. So it's up to us to liberate other women from that story by saying, working out is me working out my issues and clearing and healing myself. That's all. With one lover, multiple lovers, it doesn't matter. I need yeah. That is that is the destination. That is the journey. Exactly. And that, like me hearing that, is so so healing, and it gets me excited because my why behind that, if I was to start sharing my lovers and who I'm seeing is because that is a huge part of my life too, Mm -hmm. is being a messy lover, being a spontaneous lover, loving multiple people. I do. I love love. Yeah. I love relationships too. Yeah. And while I'm not in any committed relationships, I'm still experiencing relationship Mm -hmm. with multiple people. And it's a huge part of my life that I feel like to some extent it's good when the phone goes away and it's like intentional quiet time without that around. But at other points I'm like, I want to, show people just how much of a like like open and messy lover I really am yeah and I think important yeah and I think it's just it gives other people permission like I was yeah I was with with my friend moon on Saturday and I was like how come nobody fucking shares about this? And I, I was like, who, what women out there are sharing the fucking deep down, dirty, fucked up, weird shit about their relationships? And I thought, and the only person I could think of was this amazing teacher, Layla Martin. I don't know if yeah. I've had her on here. Amazing. I love her. And I was like, bless Layla Martin's heart because she has shared everything about mm-hmm. her relationship. He tried to break up with me. He said I wasn't giving enough of my heart to him. Like, I'm like, that is gold. That is so vulnerable. That is so real. The other teachers teaching relationship, teaching intimacy, I have not heard any of them say, like, my woman fucking cheated on me. She she told me Mm -hmm. I was a weak man or, you know, um, my man did this or that. Like, I feel like people withhold that stuff because there's this illusion of privacy needs to happen and like da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, you don't have to tag people's names or whatever. But if you are a teacher in the world teaching relationship, teaching intimacy, teaching love, it's like how can you take – how can you hold back on the dark parts? That is not, you're not really teaching my love and my opinion if you're not teaching about the parts that are the most mm-hmm. painful because that's where we need help. Yeah. And I see all these people in relationships on Instagram and it's like this thing of like, oh, I, I met my person. Everything's great now. So let me teach you how to meet your person. So everything's great. And I'm like, that's just a lie. It's a lie. It's like, so I'm so glad there's people like Leila out there 
who are like, hey, this is an ongoing process. We're constantly renegotiating our boundaries. We're constantly doing work together. We're constantly asking how we can show up for each other because that's how it is, you yeah. know? And and I'm going to keep sharing about it. And I, I don't peg myself at all as a relationship expert. You know, my work is really about getting women into their bodies, into feeling their power, standing up, giving their gifts, their beauty, their radiance to the world. Um and my own journey is is around love and relationships. Yeah. And I will keep sharing that because it's interesting to me. And I'm not going to curate out the, um, the fucking messy shit of it. I'm not mm. going to hold that back. Okay, so... I'm, this is coming up for me, something I think would be really powerful to dive in deeper with you around. And this is also in, in sharing on this, in the same, on the same side of the coin, whatever. Um, so I went to a tantric play party here in New York recently mm. and something came to me. I was like, I wonder if Alexander does something like this. Mm. There's this deep down belief within me still that in order to share any kind of sexual intimacy there needs to be a relationship dynamic mm. that's really fruitful and we've been working on it with five dates six dates mm -hmm. nothing is black and white i'm not saying this is a wrong way to go this is just one of my shadows is that there is a deep deep block to me feeling open with someone physically mm. in any way unless we've reached these steps mm -hmm. i don't know if that's a great protection mechanism that's going on or not maybe it is maybe it's great and it's making me like do a lot of deep emotional work with someone beforehand and at the same time there's a part of me because I know myself pretty well there's a part of me that's really eager to do more of this tantric work and it and ten, tantra is like not about sex right like that is a really big misconception it's a lot about spirituality and connection and I love the kind of work that I've been doing with John and with Kendra with clothes on and doing deep breathing and practicing the art of sacred command and uh, surrendering and energy and consciousness and all this is great. And then there's also like a scary, scary level to me, which is when you go more into the space of being maybe physically intimate to some extent with someone that you don't have a relationship with. Mm. Cause I want to, I want to experience what that kind of opening is like to do it in a safe container mm. where it's like a workshop where clothing may be optional. I don't know. Mm. So, um, I imagine that with knowing what I know about you mm -hmm. and the space that you live in and the kinds of people you're with, you have done tantric work mm -hmm. and you have done sexual work, sexual mm -hmm. intimacy work. And you've done that with people who you don't have mm -hmm. six dates with beforehand. Mm -hmm. It's not like that. It's, it's about being incredibly open and raw and creating something in that moment. So I would like to hear more yeah. of what that experience has been like and any kind of insight that you could give me and everyone else about um, transitioning safely, comfortably into a space of opening your body to the extent that you desire um, in that kind of really raw, scary, non-traditional, non-societal way mm. without the relationship piece. In mm -hmm. there. Great question. So over the years, I have pretty much tried many things and explored in many ways. And um, the answer that I'm going to give to this is might not be the most popular one, <laughs> but 
after my years of exploration and playing and, and, and discovering and um, being in moments with men and women um, where there isn't necessarily the container of a relationship, but there might be a spiritual practice or some sort of a um, conscious practice together of opening. I am absolutely not interested in, in doing any of that, any of that sexual connecting without a deep container. And I'll tell you why. Um, when we are playing in the level of using sex energy, right? So sex energy is the energy of creation. It's literally God energy moving through us human life can be created with that energy. So it's literally the highest magic, right? It's mm -hmm. the highest magic. That is a real tricky and sticky place to play in. You really have to be a high practitioner, high practitioner in order to play in that place safely. I have met very few, if not any people on this planet who are that high a practitioner. Maybe Dave and Carolyn, actually. And they're in a marriage, though. So if they're practicing mm -hmm. in that space, they're practicing from a very deep container. Dave Burns. Yeah. But I, I, I've met a lot of people, and I, I would not trust pretty much any anybody to enter into that space. Because what happens is, when you play with the energy of sex and creation, you... Uh, every one of your unconscious patterning or wounding comes up or shadows. Like it's, it's, it's the place where it all comes forward. It's, it's a massive opening. Yeah. So if you have unhealed things, which we all do, otherwise we wouldn't be working it out karmically here on planet earth. Right. <laughs> so whatever you have that's unhealed will come up in the field between two people. So in the past, I wasn't so smart to this at times and I opened my field because when you open sexually and you're in an orgasmic or sex energy, you're open. In that space, you can take on so much of other people's karmic energy, feelings, their processing, and you begin to process it through your system. Now, that's the kind of woo-woo side of it, right? But it is an energetic thing. So if you're practicing, say you're in a tantric sexual opening practice, whatever you want to call it, if you're practicing with someone and they're not completely aware of their demons, their shadows, their shit, then it's literally getting projected onto you and it's getting stuck onto you as you're opening to the divine radiance and you're becoming this capacity as a, as a woman to be penetrated deeply by energy or by fingers or by penis or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You are becoming then the, the penetratee. And so you're being penetrated by their karmic wounding, by their shadows, unconsciously or consciously in that moment. And unless you are with a high, high level practitioner, right? Like an enlightened being, like say Osho asks you to practice or um, Buddha asks you to practice. If Buddha asked me to practice some sort of sexual practice with him, I probably say yes, because I'm like, cool, he's enlightened. So I, I, I would love to be penetrated by enlightenment. Yeah. Cool. Sounds Great. nice. That sounds like a good move. <laughs> but most other people, I don't fucking want to be penetrated by your karmic childhood wounding. Unless we're in a safe relationship that we have boundaries and a container and a structure. And I know you've done work on yourself and I know you've been doing your stuff for years. And I know you're halfway at least aware of your own bullshit before you project it onto me, which you're going to do whether I like it or not, because <laughs> that's the relating. So without that, I have no interest. 
Because guess what? I can have massive, potent sexual experiences by myself where I am fucked mm. by God and goddess again and again without taking on anybody's bullshit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I say to you, yeah. if you're interested in having beautiful, gorgeous sexual experiences, have them with yourself. Yes. Invite in uh, nature to flow through you. Be yeah. penetrated by divine creation first and foremost. And then... If you meet a high, high level practitioner who you are like 100% willing to take on whatever's in their field and merge with it, mm -hmm. then fine. But that, to me, usually comes with trust in a safe container. It does not happen at a fucking play party. And, and I've been to those things, too. And I guess what? I've done cleanup on myself after. And people have called me for three years after and not wanted to let go of me because they saw the potential of magic that was coming through my pussy and my being. And then I have to block them or something. And, and yeah. so the mistakes of my past have haunted me times 10 and I've had to do so much cleanup and bless my heart. Like there's nothing wrong. That was all perfect. It's all part of my mission. Will I engage in that in any way again? No, mm -hmm. flat out. No. I'm and really I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and, and Tantra just to clarify, Tantra is a huge umbrella word. It's like the word, the sun or something. It's an umbrella. It's yeah. huge. You know, I practice Tantric Buddhism, which is, is it, you know, the Dalai Lama is a tantric Buddhist, okay? So this has nothing to do with fucking neo-tantra, um, you know, to people like sitting in a yabyam. Like it's a very different yab, yab, thing. Yab, yab, yab. Um, and and, and you know, the Dalai Lama said, do you want to know how someone's a real tantric practitioner? You want to know? Yeah. That they have oh. the same capacity to eat their fecal matter as they do food. Wow. Because Tantra is, is, is everything in life is a practice, spiritual practice. Yeah. It's like everything. So eating your poop. Okay. So if someone is like, I'm a high powered tantric practitioner, Do you eat your poop before you put their dick in you or their fingers or their consciousness, ask them to just eat their poop. <laughs> so the, I'm, I'm so glad, so, so glad that I asked you this. I went to this play party because I have never been to anything like this before. Mm -hmm. And it came recommended by someone that I knew, I didn't know her, I didn't know her really, but I like trusted from what I had seen. Went to this thing and I feel like when I left, when I left, I said that felt re-traumatizing. Exactly. I, I had people not tuning into my body. I was literally sitting in a corner with like, not like my arms were wrapped around my legs, the cl most closed off body language, absorbing the scene of everything happening around me, people coming up, trying to, trying to grab my toes so they can lick my toes. And like some guy going to the bathroom and coming back and telling me he had bad thoughts about me, dirty thoughts or whatever he said, it was really creepy the way he phrased it. And I was just like, don't want to hear that. These are my toes. Like it was a constant practice of boundaries, boundaries. And I was exhausted by the end of it. Oh yeah. And I was the first one out the door. Oh. And then since that's my only experience, I was like, is this because I'm not an open woman? And no. Like, and that's I've, the container. Yeah. So I've heard that so much with clients. I've heard it in my own thoughts. Like you're a fucking queen, dude. Yeah. Does a queen yeah. just let everyone on the street lick her toes and touch her mm. pussy? No. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and just because people bought tickets to go to a play party doesn't mean like it's almost as if people think that, oh, that these are all my people. This high is a level practitioner. Doesn't mean that. And I'm definitely not. And I went. And because it was my first time to go. And it's just, yeah, it was just to me so, it was such a turnoff. Mm. 
and confusing. Yeah. Like, very confusing. Cause I was like, if this was, if this is what that is, um, I haven't either, I haven't done my work of no. being an open woman or like, um, yeah. So is that same thing you described about you need to be like the highest level? Is that, is that a, um, the same standard that you run people through to be with you in any sexual capacity? Well, like obviously not being the Buddha, but the people <laughs> that you choose to be intimate with, not in a workshop, like in relationship, yeah. one date, two date, then you, I only, boom, boom. I only fuck Buddhas. Okay. <laughs> Um, no, like that has not always been the case. And even now I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying that I only going to have sex with someone who's a Buddha, but if someone were to want to just practice on a Sunday, right. Oh, yeah. But in terms of being in a relationship, what I care about is someone doing their work. Mm-hmm. Like, are they doing their work on themselves? Have they, did they just start yesterday? If they just started yesterday, we're probably at a completely different level. Because I've been doing work on myself for a very, very long time. So these are the things that I do consider. And there's a lot of tricky people out there. Oh, yeah, I've been meditating for so long. Yeah, I did a lot of ayahuasca. I've fallen for all that shit. I've fallen for all of it. I've fallen for all the external. Oh, you have the look. You have the things in your home. You've been to Vipassana. Oh, you must be ready. That is, it's another illusion. It's the play. It's Lila. It's the Sanskrit word. Ha 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 ha. It's the divine play. It's here to trick you. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, Alexandra's getting really smart. Are we going to, how is she going to keep learning? Okay, great. Let's send her a really hot spiritual man. He has all the things on a list but his integrity is off. Let's see if she can feel it. And that's it. If, if, if I was sent a man that his shirt said, I'm an asshole and I'm a dick, then I'm not going to go out with him. I'm not going to learn anything. Right? So instead you said, you know, for me to work out certain ones of my issues, I had to see how easy it was for me to be pulled into, Oh, he's a hot spiritual man. He's been to Vipassana. He's had five ayahuasca retreats. Oh my God, he has a practice. Oh, look, he's vegan. Oh, oh. And then I'm like, oh shit, but is he showing up? Oh my God. No, he's not showing up. Is he in integrity? Mm -hmm. Oh shit, look. Here's a red flag. He's not in integrity. But look, no, no, no. But look, he's been on this. He's done the, he, he meditates. Yeah. And it's just like, it's oh. my own trigger. It's my own wound that's blocking me to, from accepting him for exactly how he is. That's no. what I do. At least I find yeah. this perfect package. Yeah. Perfect. And then, oh, I've done that. They do something yeah. that's, that feels out of integrity. And instead of having the focus still on them and say, huh, let me look at what they're doing. I say, oh, it's because I'm not unconditionally loving. Oh yeah. I've done that so much. Everyone, if any of my friends are listening to this, I hope you're fucking laughing. Cause yeah, I've, <laughs> I've said that so many times. Must be because I can't receive him. I must have to work on receiving him a little bit more. Let me work on receiving him while I'm crying in a corner. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, don't do that, you guys. You guys, like, just don't do that. You know, if it feels off, then it's off. Where does it feel off for you? Oh, my body contracts. So the body is the thing. Okay. That's why it's so important that you're in a great relationship with your body. You learn your body. You breathe. You get in your body because... If you know your body, you'll know. Your body will contract around him. Your pussy will contract around him. Mm-hmm. Your head will say, no, but he's great, but he's great, but he's great. But your heart will close. Your pussy will close. Yeah. That stuff will happen. If you don't have that relationship and the head and the unconscious patterns are running the show, and they'll trick you. Mm-hmm. They'll trick you for you know from here to kingdom come. So, yeah. so for me, like I, the man that I met, like 
who we were like in such a beautiful projection of what we wanted, a fantasy projection onto each other for the first two months or something. Um, this was like a year and a half ago. But then I started having so much anxiety and I was in the story of, oh, the anxiety must be my own shit. Mm. But it wasn't. The anxiety was that he wasn't really available. And my body knew, like, this is this man is saying he's available, but he's not really present. He's not really here. His heart's not in it. And my heart was hurting so bad at his heart not being there. But I, again, I kept thinking, it's me, it's me. And my friends watched me suffer so deeply. They literally watched me suffer, 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 suffer. Uh, some of them stopped talking to me for a bit. Really? Yeah. And, and you know, they weren't dramatic about it, but they're just like, she needs to go through what she's going through with him. And, um, it was, it was really a journey. And one of my energy healers, shamans who I've been working with for seven years here in New York, he's incredible. Um, what's his name? Michael Ventura. Okay. He's an epic human. He also runs like a creative agency, has written a book, but he's like, he's, he's, He's a hot, he's a king. He's a, Ooh. you need a man to look at as a potential king. So you can remember there are kings out there. He's the one. Okay. Um, but, um, we were working when I met this, this man that I was dating, you know, it's like, I felt like there was a knife stuck in my side. Like that was, and I felt like it was chewing on glass for like nine months. Like there was glass stuck in my cheek. And I worked with Michael and, and he, and I was like, something is getting pulled out of my heart chakra like something's getting pulled out of my energy field it's old it's so old it's like from when I was five and so that relationship with this man I literally see as solely being there to pull up old wounding from five-year-old Alexandra that needed to come up that was stuck old energy stagnant energy so I look at that man as a great healer for me because he was a guru he brought that which is shadow to light, which is what the word guru means. So he brought what was hiding in the back of my heart, which is closure, closed, tight, calcified energy to light. And that experience felt like somebody pulling out this like painful piece of glass, you know, uh. like from the back of my heart for literally like nine months. But then when it was gone, you know, my Michael, my healer, he was like, you don't have to date your father anymore. <laughs> and I was like, ah, fuck you. Um, but when it was out, I felt so free. You felt when it was out. Oh, you God. Felt, yeah. Out. Yeah. And you were still with him when it came out. Yeah. No, well, you know, it was, it was just, it was just an annoying relationship where we met. We were like, you know, so cosmic. We stared into each other's eyes for hours and hours and cried. And then he came with me to the intimacy work and did that sort of like, um, deep polarity work with me and then you know we were so in love and then he was like well I can't do it and then I was like well if you can't do it I'm already open to you like I've opened my heart and my my soul to you so you know if you're not willing to give me a commitment then like I'm not going to just keep opening to you without a container I need a container for this level of opening he was like I can't give that to you I'm going through divorce and then he came back two months later and he asked me back and even then, I knew he, he wasn't quite ready, but I still wanted to believe into the fantasy of, yeah. that he was ready. And so then then the heat got turned up high on, on the wound. It, then it was like, then the, all the childhood abandonment stuff came up. And that was when I really had to sit in, in hell. This was last June. And damn, it sucked. It was bad. But then I, ha I said, no. I said, you know what? No, this is no. 
They says, no, I had, I had a ticket to go visit him in Portugal. <laughs> Canceled it. Mm. Like Ben moaning the money. <laughs> then, and then we had a conversation like five months later because he kept coming up and I kept being like, do I still, is this really over? Like it felt so cosmic. And we had like an hour long conversation where we were both like, it's done. It's really done. You know, and um, he is definitely like a twin flame kind of yeah. like we're going to high five in the astral plane. Later and be like, <laughs> Great work this life. Thank you so much for helping me heal my dad wound because you prepared me for meeting this amazing man that came after you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it's, it's it's you know, it's not soft work when you really show up, you know, but I think a lot of people don't live with that level of depth and relationship. You know, they're like Netflix wine. Like they're not really deeply present. Yeah. It's, it's challenging because there's a part of me whenever I meet men that I want to date because they're attractive Mm -hmm. because they're funny. And they also have the combination of like the wine and chill and all the time and maybe smoke weed. Mm, Cause I, mm-hmm. I, I don't really smoke. I want to be like really present with someone. I want them to be really present with me. And then I, I feel like that is the pattern I'm continuous, continuously tested with is men who I, I see how there's so much like realness to them and depth to them that could be there, but then there are all these things that they want to do and they spend their time doing and there's not real growth. And then my mind's like, it's okay. Love them anyways. Unconditional love. Like you can make anyone the one. There's a lot of ones. And Mm. I've felt over the past year, especially when me and my former partner decided to have, you know, to go our separate ways. That was one of the, that happened in January. And so now it's the end of April and since then I've had this deep, deep understanding and commitment of how much presence I want. Mm. Like I want, we can have fun. Of course we can have fun. There's many different ways to have fun, Mm -hmm. but I want someone that is truly, truly doing their work. Mm -hmm. And of course, since then I've, since moving to New York too, I have all these opportunities to date people who aren't really truly doing their work, but Mm -hmm. they're fun. And, Mm -hmm. and I have grace on myself. Like I Mm -hmm. still want to have fun. I'll go out with people and I'll, I'll go get a drink and I'll meet their company. And, Mm -hmm. but the minute I realize it, which is pretty quick now of like, they're not in the same trajectory. I'm in a very deep level of devotion Mm. to my craft, Mm -hmm. to me, Mm -hmm. to me, like at the core of a lot of this is that I want to share my body and my heart and my time because I am a vessel for God and the divine and, and big things like every human being here, because I am, I want to make sure that anyone that's in my, my space, in my field and in my home mm-hmm. to be in that same area of life and integrity alongside me. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's, it's not easy. It's not. It's and really you know, hard. I think that there are different teachers that talk about this, you know, kind of like that, that women are, waking up faster in a way and that maybe there's less men with the depth of consciousness that we're seeking out there but they are there you know and it's weird because it's like if you just so deeply stay in your practice you'll attract that like a vortex I've attracted so many of them and I'm like I act surprised. Oh, you do polarity work? Oh, you've studied this? Oh, you've just done work with ayahuasca? Oh, you've done this? Oh, you've studied the, you know, Kashmiri Shaivas Tantra? Oh, you've studied Tantric Buddhism? And it's like, it's so specific in a sense. And my friends laugh. They're like, why are you still surprised that you're going to attract exactly that? 
because mm. you're living so deeply in that, you know, but it's like when we come down off our thrones, you know, then we sort of muddy our vibration. Yeah. And then we don't attract that thing. And it does feel scary to be so committed to yourself and your practice and staying in that because you're like, well, it, it really means letting go of a lack mentality of like, well, what if I can't find someone? Oh yeah. And that is so deeply ingrained in us. It's so, so deep and insidious in our being that it's really hard. But if, you know, with an open heart, with a softness and openness, you can really stay in your practice, in your values, on your throne, then you will, he will come. Mm -hmm. Because like this, this person that I met, was like so out of nowhere and so like, so aligned. And it's just like, oh yeah, because I literally just cleared out a bunch of old people from my vibration. I said a hard no to a bunch of people that were still sort of gently clinging yeah. around. And I literally, it felt like I was having to like get out of a huge ax because it was like, I can't Ugh. even talk to you guys. I had to say to some of these men from my past, I can't even talk to you. Please don't text me. I mean, no more. Roxo, what are you doing? Like, we're family now. We love each other forever. And I'm like, no, we're still, there's still this little thread between us and it's taking up space. You still sometimes talk to me like I'm your girlfriend and it's taking up space. You, uh -huh. I still sometimes call you like a girlfriend in need, like you're my boyfriend. And you, we love this, but it's taking up space. And even some of my best friends who are gay men, I said, I love you, but like there's too many people crowding in my heart right now. And it literally, and even my father, I was like, we cannot talk on the phone three times a week anymore. Like, even if it's for five minutes, like I'm 35, like I need everybody to take a step back from my heart. And I literally, I spent a month in a house in Topanga by myself in March in the woods alone, which was really wild. Sounds amazing. And I, I really felt like I told everybody to back the fuck up wow. from my heart. And he came like a week later. Oh my God. <laughs> and who knows? He might stick around for a day, for a month. Maybe he'll die tomorrow. Maybe I'll die tomorrow. I have no fucking clue. So all I can do is just say that for today, he's like totally my oh. man today. <laughs> I, like the reason why I'm over here and I'm like making all these facial expressions hearing you talk about this is because there's an ax that's waiting and it needs to, uh, there, there, there are definitely, there's some chopping I need to mm. do. Mm -hmm. And it is so scary because there's so much comfort and, mm -hmm. And, and like me and my former partner, we text all the time. Mm -hmm. And like he came and visited last week and we kissed and we went out on a date and we held hands. We talked about our, our like, we talked about like how we're both on hinge and here we are acting like a couple and like kissing and like holding each other and calling each other babe. And we're both like, who are you going to date next? Who are you going to date? And like talking about our dating lives. Mm. But that is so confusing to me mm -hmm. and I tell him like back and forth like we gotta stop doing this we gotta stop texting quite as much but I haven't made that move yet because I I deeply love him like we had such a, an, yeah. a peaceful separation we traveled for six months together but like that if we're not doing the thing we can't do the thing like we can't it just takes up space in your in takes your, up space in your heart yeah. and it, it, yeah I think about it I think about him all the time because I love him so much but I just know that the partnership and we're not in that yeah we're not in that we're lingering there because of fear 
And then other things. There's other like I need to do some axe chopping. Other things going on, but it's really inspiring to hear mm. that like that depth of of protecting your heart, protecting your sacred space, protecting your devotion, protecting your practice. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to do that in this lifetime when we have like easy access to everything we want. Mm-hmm. Exes hinge dating mm-hmm. living in new york city and california wherever else anyone else is in a big city like easy access to everything mm-hmm. so oh yeah it's, it's exciting like, feeling though the yeah, access is exciting to it's some extent like the depth of love that you want to experience now i'm 35 i did not want this depth a few years ago i still wanted to play around and make tons of fucking mistakes and mm. follow my face and have wild adventures that broke me into I did all that. Like, I really did it. Like, I really lived my maiden, my princess. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, you have to ask yourself, like, is it time? It might not be time. You might need to fall flat on your face and break your, your nose three more times, metaphorically yeah. spe- speaking. You know, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That is okay. There's no rush. There's no race to the finish line of, like, meet your person now because all the work you do in each relational field between two people is your healing in order to take you to the next step and the next step and the next step. So, you know, it's more of like what is feels in the best alignment in the here and now and just getting into that. It might be sitting in front of whoever, some, you know, pot smoking guy for three dates where he's high out of his fucking mind. And it triggers you out of all the times that men have shown up and not been present for you. And you feel completely isolated and disconnected. And you might need those three dates with him where he's so not present. And you might need the three weeks after where you cry and you feel lonely in order to alchemize some of your own pain and healing. And that's okay. That's okay. Don't skip over that because you have to do it. But don't, you know, don't put yourself in those situations again and again out of habit. Yeah. Once you realize it, once you realize what's happening in the dynamics, you have like the sovereignty where you can choose, okay, I still want to be in this thing and I want a fourth date. Or you can say, okay, I realize what's happening here. I have the self-awareness with this and I don't choose this. Exactly. Exactly. And no need to rush any of that in order to have some like, you know, quote unquote, perfect looking romance. No, do your work and, and, and just show up to the present moment, you know, blissful. This is so good. It's blissfully intense. Blissfully intense. (laughs) So tell us about, I have a divine deep dive round for you. I'm going to ask some questions, but before we do that, tell us about moon club. Oh, so moon club is my, my own transformational chamber of alchemy and mentorship and coaching with women where I help you do all this stuff. (laughs) I help you have the courage to look at your shit, to face it, to make art of it, to share your voice, to get in your body, to become friends with your body again, to look at your wounding. And I use all sorts of modalities. I do a transformational workbook every month with writing. And I use writing as a way for you to really get to know yourself. Um, I also do two group live coachings a month there. I lead embodiment practices. So it's a content bank. So you just pay. You have There's two levels. One has group coaching and one just has the content bank. And you get meditations. You get um, all the stuff that I put in there every month to guide you through. So especially if you're a person that doesn't want to pay 100 to 500 bucks a week for a session with a coach or a yeah. therapist or you just don't have it, which was most of my life, I didn't have that. So this is a way to still have the same level of depth of work on yourself, but at a way cheaper price. 
the reason I created it is because I spent all my 20s going to sliding scale therapists and going to ceremonies in groups because I had access to them. And without that, I wouldn't have the healing that I had. And so I created this so that women, especially in places that they don't have access, or if you're in a financial place where you can't pay $300 a week or 200 or even 100, that you can pay a hundred a month or 33 a month and you can get access. Mm. So there's, there are, you know, between four and 500 women a month in the, in the. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, and the other piece is community. Like we share what's going on with each other. There's a Facebook group, there's Slack groups. Um, people have met their best friends in there, which is so sweet. And yeah, it's just like an amazing group of healing and it's the real stuff. It's not fluff. It's not surface. It's not like, let's think positive and just like you have a pretty happy life. It's like, let's get to the real meat of the things and, and not be ashamed and share it. And people can do a month for free, right? We have an offer for your listeners so you guys can get a month of Moon Club for free, which is really awesome. And it's a gift from my heart to you. And then if you like it, then come and stay on or come to retreat or buy the embodiment mm. class and keep doing the work. But if you do decide to take advantage of the, th- of the free month, be all in. Show up. Otherwise, it's not going to work. The work doesn't work unless you show up to it. And if you show up all the way, I guarantee you after the end of that 30 days, you'll be like, oh, something shifted in me beautiful yeah i will have the link to that on the show notes of this and, and follow me on instagram because i share uh, a lot of yes free wisdom there every day and it, you're my favorite instagram account oh. by far favorite instagram account i appreciate that so much okay quick fire round real okay. quickly who would you say are oh, this could be a hard one for you <laughs> <laughs> who would you say is one of your most profound teachers Ram Das. oh not hard who i'm going to see next week at home What do you want to be praised for more than anything? Uh, hmm. For how much love I make people feel. Mm. I'm still working on that. What is one must-read book? I'll say Dear Lover. Ah, Yeah, I love this book. Um, If you could be anyone for a full day, dead or alive, who would they be? And what's the first thing you would do when you wake up? Mm. Well, that's a really hard one. It really is. All right. I'm just going to go for it and say Buddha. Buddha. Yeah. That's a good one. So you'd like, what would I do? I would just appreciate having no suffering. Yeah. That'd be pretty nice. <laughs> um, what's your favorite meal right now? Ooh. Well, I got so used to having love and affection over the past few weeks that I've been really craving chocolate because of the dopamine, lack of dopamine in my body. So the last few days I've been like, wow, chocolate, wow, chocolate. And then I realized how love is so such a programmed response in, in, in a non-energetic way. It's like a literal chemical mm. cocktail in the body. Um, so my favorite meal right now is who kitchens chocolate. <laughs> oh, that's been on my list to go get some of that. They have oh, like it's a everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the best. Are you like vegan? I forget. Are you, um, you, are you I'm not, I'm, I'm mostly plant-based, but not, not, not all. A label no, not all. Okay. Um, what is your biggest, and you can't say chocolate, but what's your biggest guilty pleasure right now? I don't believe in guilt. Well, you know, like, well, so, so, <laughs> let's like play with the game. We don't do guilt. Okay, honey. Um, my favorite guilty pleasure. 
Well, last night I ate a um, vegan grilled cheese in the bathtub while watching Our Planet on Netflix. <laughs> Our Planet is this beautiful show about like the rainforest. That sounds so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my I'm, God. And I'm not fucking guilty about it. It's perfect. No guilt at all. <laughs> that sounds great. Okay. Last question I'll choose is if you had to cast anyone to play you in the movie about your life. And you're an actress, so it can't be you. Who would you pick to be the fiery redhead? Oh my god! At the center stage. Oh, this is a good question. The actors that I'm really drawn to right now that I've been thinking about a lot are Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> And Penelope Cruz, because they sort of are like the masculine feminine epitomes. And I kind of feel like the man that I attracted has some like Shia LaBeouf kind of qualities about him. Like he started, we just led this retreat together and I was exhausted. And we went to have dinner and we were like at that point where you've like, you're just so exhausted. Yeah. And uh, Jay-Z's song, Bonnie and Clyde from the 90s, came on. You know the song? Mm-mm. It's like, all I need in this life of sin is me and my girlfriend. <laughs> oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. Me and and he girlfriend. like literally just started rapping that to me in front of everybody. <laughs> oh, my God. Just like standing there. And I was just like, I was so tired that I was like embarrassed and 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 like soft and like but he just was like it was just like he was singing to me in this moment (laughs) and and i was like i attracted a man who's like yogi and also hip-hop and super like uh hood (laughs) but it reminded me an amazing combination yeah it reminded me of like all of the the years of staring at pictures of Shia LaBeouf because I feel like he has that kind of vibe where he's like kind of like fucking like oh no man yeah. like he's kind of like cool dude and he's kind of tough and like um, you know the video of Shia where he's like you can yeah. do it make <laughs> your dreams come true love- every time I need to get something done I watch that video and I'm like okay I don't know DMV today. I can go to the DMV I can go to the DMV Shia yes. says I can <laughs> and, and, and watching him dance in the elastic heart video is like the total opposite you know that one that's the one yeah with he's inside yeah yeah that's a beautiful it's so beautiful he's so emotional yeah it makes me want to cry like right now oh my god i yeah so i love his capacity for like deep masculinity like fucking sex like you know having sex with him (gasps) would be like (laughs) stop it i know but then he's yes but then his capacity to feel so deeply Mm. anyway that's like the, the so true Shia modern. LaBeouf will play you. He's gonna play me. <laughs> <laughs> he has the polarity. He has inside himself. He's oh. the depth of masculine and feminine. He's the range, the full range. <laughs> Alexandra, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh my god, you're so welcome. You are amazing. <laughs> I'm so glad we got to do this in person. Me like, too. This is, I'm, I've been so excited. So mm-hmm. thank you so much, everyone. Make sure you go follow her on Instagram for sure join moon club if you're going to go all into it and check out all the links on the show notes for this maddiemoon.com slash alexandra dash roxo see you next week for another episode on the mind body musings podcast
special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.